Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Melissa Studdard, and this is DeFerret Talk, the Blog Talk Radio show for DeFerret, a journal of spiritual literature, where our goal is to promote peace in the individual and in the world through writing. In addition to listening today, we'd love for you to join our online community at www.teferitjournal.com. That's www.teferitjournal.com. And there you can interact with other members, read their writings, post your own writings, and subscribe to the journal. We'd like to let you know as well that our Blog Talk chat room is currently open if you'd like to chat with other listeners or suggest questions. Our interview tonight is with Lois P. Jones. Jones's poetry and photographs have been published widely in print and online journals in the U.S. and abroad. She is the co-founder of Boardwalker Press and since 2008 has hosted KPFK's Poets Cafe in Los Angeles which is 90.7 FM Pacifica Radio and airs on 2nd, 4th, and 5th Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. She co-produces Moon Day in the Village, a West Side reading, and is co-host of Moon Day's East Side Poetry Reading at Flint Ridge Books. She is the poetry editor of Kyoto Journal and a recent nominee for both the Pushcart Prize and Best New Poets. In 2010, her poem, Ouija, was featured by IBPC as Poem of the Year. Welcome, Lois. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. How are you doing tonight? Welcome. Uh, thank you. It's such a great <laughs> honor to be here, and um, and just lovely to chat with you, Melissa. Um, I love oh, to press. Cool. Oh, wonderful. Um, it's so great to finally talk to you, too. We've been chatting on the internet so you know i get to hear your voice <laughs> i know yeah. um yeah okay. I've been, oh go ahead no no please go ahead i was just going to say i've been a fan of tiferet uh for several years um i love what donna is doing I've, i was introduced to a number of great poets through tiferet um including jp dancing bear and others and um I've had the honor of being published in there as well and having a photograph or two. And I'm very much uh, connected to the spiritual aspect of of the journal, um, that being a major part of my life and influence. So. Wow, thank you. That's wonderful. <laughs> I feel the same way. Donna's just doing amazing things um, with the journal. So, um I just love it. <laughs> so um, I'm going to jump in and ask you a question. Um, sure. You know, in my blog, I called you Renaissance Woman, right? <laughs> yeah. And I talked about all the creative ventures that you're involved in. Um, mm-hmm. And also in an interview with the Tacoma Weekly, you said, I believe that inspiration is not just a momentary urge, but a way of being. It is an mm-hmm. openness to the world around you. And what I'm wondering really is how you achieve this openness and sustain it. I think uh, that's a great question. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it has a lot to do with, um, I think, on several levels, being very involved in what's going on around you. Um, 
I belong to a number of poetry groups. Um, one of them is Poets on Sight, for example, which is run by Cathabella Wilson. And we are active in going to museums and uh, out in nature and exhibits where we're actually interacting with the environment and using that as a jumping-off point uh, to write poetry. So that's more along the um, practical side of inspiration. And then mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's, you know, and, and in, the, in the nature of the different involvements that I have, it, seem, it seems that poetry is happening pretty much 24, <laughs> 24-7, <laughs> you know, in some sure. facet, um, whether I'm on a, an Internet board, if I'm moderating and I'm connected in that way, with reading the work of others um, is also a great source of uh, not only inspiration, but um, evolving as a poet, you know, being able to reach into what past and contemporary poets have to say and then uh, seeing where that leads you in your own writing and your own thought process. Uh, and then the third, the third bar I'll just answer is more or less a personal spiritual one mm-hmm. where you, you're tuned in to your own particular path, whatever that might be, um, that leads you to a higher awareness. And that awareness, if you're c- connecting it with some creative aspect of life, I think can only lead you to inspiration. Um, if that makes sense. Yes, it absolutely does. Thank you. And it's interesting, um, you know, the first part that you said about going to the museums and going out into nature for inspiration, um, one of the things that I was going to comment on in your poetry is that I, I feel like one of the things that really, really strikes me about your poetry is that there's this blending of art and humanity in the natural world and um, when you look at art or nature in your poems, it's not like there's this lens of separation. It's like it is humanity. Art is humanity, like in the literal sense, like, um, you know, a neck is a painting of a neck, and it's also a dune and a cliffside. Actually, you know what? Why don't <laughs> hey, can you win my line I'm referring to. Let's read it, and then we can talk about it some more. Okay, you want me to read it? Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Okay, great. So this is called Ways to Paint a Woman, and um, I was graced and surprised by uh, a painting that a friend of mine from Dubai uh, rendered of me, a portrait of my of my face and my head. Um, this was about a year ago, and I had no idea it was coming. Uh, his name is Ali Al-Ameri, and um, I was so moved by this um, beautiful rendering that I decided to write a poem uh, in response to it. So, it's called Ways to Paint a Woman. Sometimes you cannot say what is in the heart. Sometimes you have to paint it yellow. Listen with the eyes, honeycomb and maize, golden rainflowers. Transform with your softest brush the way Lorca's bathing girl liquefies into water. Half a head in fire, sun 
burning a trail from forehead to cheek. Graze the mouth with mango. Make time to blend and take away. Use the green of a blind man when he says, You're beautiful and means you're timeless. Show what the light gave her, washing warmth into a neck until it's dune, a cliffside that holds a head of surf. Paint as you would before you awaken when sunlight falls like milkweed and you are an empty silo, letting her grain fill you, buttery malt and biscuit for the love of honey. Wow, that is so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You know, I just love that poem. Um, So, okay, so now we can talk about it. (laughs) This, uh, what I see in your poems over and over, you Mm. know, um, this, and I I don't even want to call it a transformation. It's like a a connector, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's all the same. Um, Do you feel like, poetry does that for you or um, does it come out in the act of writing poetry? I think that poetry for me, the kind of poetry I like to write and uh, read is uh, poetry of uh, transcendence. So Mm -hmm. I I begin with the physical as a jumping off point and it seems to lead to the metaphysical, spiritual. um, It's a constant... um, in my in my writing, and I, I just informs it that way. And I I think it's when I look at the at the aesthetic joy of creation, um, mm-hmm. I that's where I want to go in poetry. I mean, everybody has their own um, enjoyment of it, their own particular. Genres of poetry, we, you know, we know we have them all. We have humorous poetry, and we have um, uh, poems that are beautiful narratives, like uh, Robert Joseph Stroud, who writes on nature. Mm-hmm. He also has transcendence too, but a lot of his poetry is experiential. And for me, yeah. it doesn't have to have experience, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Uh, it's more, it's more the moment. Mm-hmm. And then where that moment of that particular experience leads me to. And so in that way, I'm somewhat, I think, a little bit different in, uh, in terms of poetry because I don't write typically narrative work. No, no. And I know that you were strongly influenced by the Latin American poets, and yes. I would say. This definitely has a lot to do with with your style, which is just lovely. Um, who are some of the ones who really influenced you? Well, Lorca. Uh, Lorca has mm. come up a, a, a number of times. He was one of the first poets I began reading. Uh, I fell in love with his sweets, um, the New York poems, um, uh, several other books. Um, what's the one? Uh, his main, one of his main books uh, on Duende. Um, I think his particular. Uh, well, how can I say? Uh, Latin poetry has what Bly talks about leaping poetry. So you're you're 
making this unexpected leap of an image, uh, things that resonate with you unexpectedly. And that's mm-hmm. what I, I think really what I love most about Lorca is he's so, uh, he has his own particular voice which and images, um, startling, sometimes dark, deeply passionate. And that was the kind of the origin, him and... Um, a French poet, Paul Eluard, and then uh, the German-Austrian um, poet, uh, Rainer Maria Rilke, who is probably the more long-distance runner <laughs> for me. My <laughs> influence, yeah. Okay, great. Um, well, you know, I was thinking about your photography, too, in relation <laughs> to your poetry, and I, I think I have some pretty good ideas of how your photography has impacted your poetry, but um, I'd like to know what your experience of it has been and also how you feel your poetry has impacted your photography. Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I, I love uh, photography. I'm an amateur photographer, but um, any art, uh, from a, any anyone who wants to create needs to have a certain concept of composition, whether it's visual or um, written. And I think photography allows you to see what the important points need to be and what to get rid of. And this is also the essence of good poetry in writing, of course, and in uh, editing poetry. So there is a definite relationship there. Sometimes I write poems uh, or I take photographs and I'm inspired by a particular photograph and I'll write a poem to it. But more often, I have several other friends who dazzle me. Um, Peter Scheffler is a friend of mine. Um, Another, Leslie Morley, who lives in England. Their photographs uh, move beyond, again, it's the transcendence from the literal graphic image to something way beyond. And that yeah. that is a talent. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, I haven't I haven't reached that, you know, mine or more. Well I I don't know I don't know if I agree with you on that. Oh, I, thank I you. have to say, um especially the one that, that I posted with the benches and um and just for anyone who's curious about what I'm talking about, that's on my blog and it's it's also on your Facebook page, isn't it? I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful image of benches and shadows, and oh, it's amazing. So thank I would say that transcends as do a lot of your other photographs. Well, thank you. You know, that actually makes me think of it, this uh, additional little um, viewpoint, which is a good image is also like a good poem in that it's something that the person viewing it can contribute to. So you take it away from this, you know, two-dimensional world into something that uh, goes off into other dimensions and allows that person to be a part of an exchange with art because really that's the essence of it. I don't mean to be all esoterical or anything, but that's... No, no, it's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's just uh, kind of another thought I had about that. Yeah. Well, you know, when we were just talking, or when I was talking about the shadows in that photograph, it, it mm-hmm. made me think about how important shadows and light are to your poetry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's the result of your work with photography? 
I don't think so. Um, it's a that's a really beautiful question. Um, I admire good questions. Your you know oh. viewers <laughs> like wow yes that's really good. Um, it has. It I wouldn't say that it really has uh, had an influence. Um, I think that they're right now coexisting in an interesting way, um, but. They're not, the shadows of one haven't really um, manifested in the other quite yet, Uh, at least on my own work or the light in one. Um, There is one I think I shared with you on the late winter poem, which coincides with, yeah, an experience and then a a photo, which I like. Um, But they, they are somewhat separate entities right now, at least, with regard to my own work, yeah. Okay, well, that's really interesting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, do you want to read another poem I was thinking, Ouija? Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so here we go. Now, this one is, you know, when the, it's, a Ouija board, as we know, is a device used to contact people who are, you know, ghosts or spirits moved out from beyond, and it has a rather dark aspect to it. But I, I wouldn't say I was trying to connect with the occult in this in this poem so much as um, reaching out to a spirit and thinking, what would that person want to say if he could say something now? So this is uh, again, um, it begins with an epigraph from uh, Lorca. And it goes like this. Ouija. Green sunflowers trembled in the highlands of dusk, and the whole cemetery began to complain with cardboard mouths and dry rags. You asked for an R, for the ripening of olives in your garden, the red-tailed hawk angling over the road, the path that took you down and away from the empty room of the body. The hour of reasons, of the ringing that breaks in a yellow bell tower, the only sound after the round of shots that shattered an afternoon. And the tea can only be more time, time to be the clock or the weather vane, the twilight through your windows on the page, your pen once again plow, and the places you took me where I abandoned faith. A is alone, how you never wanted it, preferring the company of bishop's weed and drowsy horses, the warm trace of the lily and a flame. For the night, with its black mouth, that sings your saeta. G is for the ghost bird that hovered at Fuente Grande, that you did not wish to come. For the grave, some say you dug with your own hands empty as a mouthful of snow, as a sky that held no moon that night, only its pure shape to stow all the names of the dead. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, interesting about Lorca is, you know, he was killed by the nationalist uh, militia under the Franco regime, and they're still trying to find where he was buried because he was buried in a mass grave. So... Um, but there are a lot of stories floating around about the incident, you know, 
how it happened. You have another poem that is specifically about that, right? Um. Uh. Yeah, I do. On March grade. That's it. That's it. That's a beautiful poem as well. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. Um, well, when you were reading the poem, I was noticing a, a focus on emptiness, and um, I've noticed that also in a lot of your poems, um, also in relation to the artist or creativity, There's the empty silo, the empty room of the body, <laughs> and branches, and I'm just wondering if this concept of emptiness is important to you as a poet or if you think it's important for the artist in mm. general. I think emptiness embodies um, a place to allow things to come in, to not be afraid of silence. Um, I think in our society where we're so inundated with so much stimulus, to be able to be empty is a joy. It's a beauty. Um, It's something that artists for centuries have been trying to do to get away so that they can um, tap into their own their own voice or what's coming in from the exterior world. And I think I love I love it. <laughs> I have yeah. I love the experience of being with my friends and family, um, but to be empty uh, is also to be receptive. And I think even as somebody, and I want to just um, make one comment because I don't know if we're going to have time to go to that, but, um, and I may be jumping ahead, but as an interviewer, I've had the good fortune um, being supported by the producer, Marlena Bond, who uh, is just a genius as far as putting the shows together and and allowing me a, a comfort zone in which to operate, and we have two other guests, uh, two other hosts as well. Um, and she, this type of freedom where I don't have to feel that um, I'm constricted. In other words, mm-hmm. it, I don't have to fill up every second, and mm-hmm. I can allow for the poet who's on the air to have these. Uh, to have his own space and pace, and that makes for a kind of organic interview experience anyway. So that's just something I wanted to say about that. <laughs> so my mind jumped at that moment. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm actually I'm really glad you brought that up because I was thinking about it, and it, it would be kind of silly for um, two interviewers to talk and, and not talk about interviewing. <laughs> so I would love to talk to you about <laughs> it a little bit. We could talk about that all night, you know. I know, I know. Well, I could talk to you about just one of your poems all night as well, but uh, there's so much to be said. Um, just, you know, I'm curious about how the how interviewing has impacted you as a person, and also how it's impacted your poetry. Because I know your your program, the Poets Cafe, is focused specifically on poetry, um, and I would think, obviously, that talking to people about it at that level, and I know you go very, very deep, um, would would have some kind of wonderful impact for you with your own writing. <laughs> That's a good, uh, another good question. Um, and I want to mention also the names of the other hosts, because I'd be remiss. That's Marina Ogbu and James Palaccio. Um, but um, to answer your question, it's, 
it's such a huge world because, of course, you know, as we chatted about a little bit, every every experience is different and every poet is different. So during that time when you immerse into the world of that poet, you are able to connect with them. Uh, at least I try to. I connect with their particular aesthetic and life on a very intimate level. And it does change you. Um, it, it changes, it influences you, it allows you in a different way than just picking up a book of someone's poems and reading them um, because you're right. shaping something. You know, I don't know about how you feel about this, but it seems for me like every every interview is sort of a sculpture, you know, and you're you're mm-hmm. shaping it. You don't know exactly what the final form will be, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, and you don't know what will happen either. <laughs> you no, know, you don't know. In the and that's the joy of it. Yes. Yeah, because you have this fluidity. You have this living thing, and sometimes it just comes, you know, it transcends into art. Um, when you have those moments, um, you know, when a poet is reading to you and he's reading something very close to his or her heart, and um, it becomes this very intense sharing over the airwaves. And um, I'm always, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it's always about how do, how does that person feel? I don't, of course, I want other people to enjoy the show, but I want the poet to feel honored, you know? Yes, yes. I, I couldn't agree more. That's, that's great. Yeah. So, okay, so I'm looking I'm, forward to interviewing you. <laughs> you get to turn That'll the tables around. Right, not now. We're talking about you. No, I know, I know. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. So, um, I do. I want to ask you something that just sure. kind of came up earlier, and it, it may be too personal. And if it is, just tell me, and we'll move on. But okay. um, I am curious about your spirituality because you've mentioned it a couple of times, and um, in your poetry, you don't really name it or or focus on it, but it's always there as an undercurrent. Um, and the poems, to me, even though they're not directly about spiritual subject matter, they are spiritual themselves. Yeah. And um, I, I'm just, you know, I'm curious about what's behind it. I mean, how, how do you define your spirituality, or you know, what is your your interest in that? Mm. Um, spirituality has always been a, p- a part of my life. Um, I grew up mm. uh, in um, in the Jewish faith although I am still connected with it uh, culturally, although not as much from, um, you know, the uh, dogma dogma point of view, dogmatic point of view, um, I, I appreciate its focus and emphasis. And um, I had a lot of experiences to which probably I should write one day about it, uh, but they were more physical than spiritual as I was growing up and going in the synagogue and observing some of the traditions and seeing my grandmother there, you know, in the, in the shul, uh, all of us praying. Uh, these are influences from my past, but I always had this very strong um, urge to have, I, I think it's more toward um, Gnostic the Gnostic uh, mm-hmm. sensibility, because I really have wanted to know. 
and I wanted something that was practical. Um, and so it's been a long um, road towards finding something for me that actually satisfied a lot of uh, questions I had and gave me my own sort of sense of um, not only relief from the past, but the perspective on the joy of life, uh, the um, the depth of humanity and sharing. I mean, that's important to me because we certainly need a lot of that in this world. And my idea for spirituality is to grow that as much as I can so that I am just more able to serve others in that respect. That's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> I want to. There are a couple of things I want to get to before we run out of time. And, sure. Uh, one is I know you haven't been writing that long, and it, it actually amazes me what you've accomplished in such a short period of time. But the question is, when are you coming out with a collection? <laughs> oh, that's because, a good question. You know, I'm ready. <laughs> you know, we talked about how our lives are so full and uh, the, the various demands, and I think that for me, I've I've had to reevaluate that recently, and um, I'm trying to step back in certain areas so that I can actually allow myself to take the time to focus. I have a very good friend who is a is a mentor, and I mean to take some of my poems together and put them in at least a chapbook uh, collection and start sending them out. But I'm right now more or less vetting them in some of the um, decent journals, and that's the, the step I'm at right now. And ultimately, um, with connecting with certain groups, like, for example, San Miguel de Allende, which I try and go to each year. Uh, they have a fantastic workshop in Mexico. Um, that is sort of a stepping stone toward a collection as well as another person, um, Pascal Petit, who's put together a fantastic uh, uh, online poetry course called Toward a Collection, which has all the elements in it uh, for um, basically going from start to finish on how to compile a collection. And it's... I think I have such a, a standard. <laughs> it's very difficult. <laughs> you do. Uh, because I as mean, I write, I you know, my, my, my... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just said I, I can tell you do. <laughs> yeah, you know, and your, 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 your appreciation grows and it continues to grow, so it's very hard to keep up with what would I feel really good about putting together now. Um, yeah. I, and I, you know what? I'm not in a hurry. It's really... Uh, I know a poet I interviewed recently. It took her 14 years to put together yeah. a collection, and it's a knockout, you know. So well, I might just so be a one-book woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think you're just so ahead of the game. I mean, you've been writing for such a short period of time, and you've already got so many wonderful poems. I mean, they're very accomplished, beautiful poems. They're not newbie poems. So just that is a really amazing accomplishment. I think you're you're wise to wait until you feel comfortable. I just I want it, so when it's out there let me know. I'll be first in line at the bookstore. Oh, I'll let you know. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be very happy. It's interesting because a friend of mine I I had this sense like don't go out and do readings, don't you know, just wait till you have a book and then I was advised no, it's just the opposite. You know, go out there and build your audience, and then ultimately yeah. you'll have people saying, "When's your book coming?" And, uh, right, <laughs> right. So you have, a, you know, 
pave the way. Okay. So last thing, um, I just wanted to see if you have anything um, coming up that you'd like to announce, events, publications, readings, whatever. Um, I have on August 14th at Cafe Alibi, which is in Pasadena. Um, it's run by Alex M. Frankel, and it's a second Sunday, Sunday poetry series. So I'll be reading there with um, my friend Susan Rogers at 5 o'clock. Um, that's the most immediate thing I have coming up right now. Some stuff okay. later this fall, yeah. But uh, oh, and I, I'll I'll just plug my own show, which is coming up um, in the, uh, the second Wednesday in um, August, which is with John Guslowski, and that's going to be very intense. He wrote a book called Lightning and Ashes about his parents who were in the slave labor camp. So. That's coming on next month um, at 8.30, second Wednesday. Okay, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And um, it's really been wonderful talking with another interviewer and a wonderful poet. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for this honor. It's just, um, it, it feels wonderful to be, you know, have the focus light for a while myself <laughs> and, um, and enjoy that that honor. Thank you so much. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Okay, so I'd just like to thank those of you who are listening in this evening and those of you listening after the fact as well. Our next interview will be August 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Joseph Novakovich, who is a novelist, essayist, short story writer, and professor of writing at Concordia University. Novakovich is also the final judge for Teferit's nonfiction writing contest, and the awards for this contest and the poetry and fiction contest will be announced in September. We also invite you to take a look at our August print issue, which will have work on consciousness, creativity, and meditation by the filmmaker and writer David Lynch. For more information, please visit our website at www.teferitjournal.com. A year subscription to Teferit is $18 and includes six issues, two print and four digital. The site is also a great place for readers and listeners to post their own poetry since our editors feature one new poem each day from those who post. Thank you for being with us tonight. We hope you'll join us again in August.